The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. everyone nice to have you on board for episode 27 of the boys of tech for monday the 27th of july 2009 i'm edwin herman and as usual helping me host the show is brett king welcome hello and it's also our pleasure this week to introduce our guest matt stewart welcome matt hey guys how's it going good matt it's it's really great to have you with us it's great to be here i love uh, the love being uh, part of the kiwi magic yeah that's if you can understand what we're saying <laughs> I, brought tra- I brought my translator, so oh, good. <laughs> I'll code anything that gets out of hand. You'll need it. You'll need it. Trust me. <laughs> now, Matt's actually using Twitter in a rather ingenious way, and we'll come to that in a little bit later on in the show. But before we kick off, Brett, you'll remember the earthquake we had here a couple of weeks ago. Indeed. The, the 7.8. What I found out just this week is that that's actually moved the bottom of the South Island 300 millimeters closer to Australia. Yes, it has. If you if you happen to be in the Fiordland area, you are now closer to Australia than you've ever been. And even Dunedin's moved a centimetre closer. Yeah. In fact, we're, <laughs> we're going to have to translate this for, for Matt. Uh, 300 millimetres is a foot, I believe. Roughly, yeah. Sounds about right. Cool. So I'm, I'm expecting cheaper flights to Oz. <laughs> Indeed, it is closer. <laughs> you guys better be careful with those uh, former criminals closer now. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, true. It's closer for them to get to us now as well. Well, that's, that's, well yeah, you have to look at it both ways, don't you? <laughs> All right, I thought we'd kick off this week, uh, this week's episode with uh, Calvin Harris, the musician who's basically posted a track of his very own onto YouTube, and guess what? The British phonographic industry have pulled it. They've done a cease and desist, basically. Yeah, they were doing a, a mass cease and desist, as, as we all know, the big music likes to do every now and then and (laughs) they've done this a couple of other times as well where they've caught up an artist's own piece that they've put up themselves and gotten it taken down but it's crazy because it's his own track it is crazy and and he's he's told them that indeed he owns copyright on that he can put it up if he wants to (laughs) Well, although actually I'll tell you what what I don't what I've never really understood is there's actually a joint copyright really he owns copyright but so does the the music company so he kind of signed his life away to some extent right when he when he uh, signed with his label i mean they get they get control over a lot of it yeah they, they pretty much do yeah exactly yeah. so in a way it kind of makes you wonder well perhaps they do really have the right to do that and and although it's probably not the best move on their part cuz he doesn't really you know it's, he's not going to be very happy with them in fact, he's no. not. He's not happy with them. No, no, he did go into a rather <laughs> what was it aggressive tirade on Twitter. Yeah, he said the BPI <laughs> are the worst organisation to ever walk the earth, and they're set up as shambolic. Mm-hmm. Except he would have said it with a British accent. Indeed. Do you want me to do that again? <laughs> yeah. The BPI go for it. are the worst organisation to ever walk the earth, and their setup is absolutely shambolic. Okay, that was the worst British accent I've ever heard. Actually, I, I can do a worse one, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'd like to hear I mean, that. 
It just sounds like they didn't, it just sounds like BPI didn't handle it well. You know, I mean, that's the kind of thing you got to resolve behind closed doors. And it sounds like they just went over his head. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, a couple of phone calls probably would have resolved this. At least, you know, made they could have found some middle ground. Mm-mm. Well, the BPI themselves were approached by a different um, organization and have actually apologized to him and have said that it's, you know, brought out the, the staple excuse of, oh, it was caught up by accident in one of our batches of takedowns. And so we're very sorry that yours got taken down. We didn't mean it. Well, actually, it wouldn't surprise me if they actually just ran scripts across the whole site and and letters get sent out automatically. Well, that's it's, how it's, they do most of it, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> so it's probably quite true. But it's like, you know, like Max said, it's, it's the way they handle it, really, that just let them down. Mm. Yeah, they, they look like big jerks. And yeah. uh, I mean, what they're really trying to do is they're really looking out for him. They want to defend him and make sure he gets paid. I mean, I think that's their you know, real yeah. concern under, you know, their mm. underlying concern is making money and they just didn't communicate that well. And that's really what it comes down to. And, you know, yeah. they're doing a nice job trying to dig out, but the damage was done. Wait a minute. Do you think they're going to, they're caring about him getting paid or themselves getting paid? Well, themselves, <laughs> getting, themselves getting paid, but also him. I think, you know, it's connected. They do don't really seem to go through anything looking at it it is the giant mallet to fix any problem yeah it's my way or the highway exactly yeah speaking of copyright actually there's uh rumors that the pirate bay might actually return in a legal form kind of like kazar and what was the other one napster napster Napster, yeah oh yeah my college my college days were fueled by napster (laughs) Uh, i don't think i paid for music for like five years <laughs> and you, by that, you don't mean you didn't listen to music for five years. That's not what you're saying. Oh no, I listen to a lot of music, but I, uh, I definitely stole it on Napster. And I, you know, when you're when you're in college, it seems totally fine. And now I feel, you know, guilty about it. But I think it's actually also something to do with uh, with the era. You know, the, the back then, like now, I'd be t- to be honest, I'd actually be too scared to do it. Whereas back then, it was kind of oh. like. Yeah, back then the the internet was the wild wild west. Anything went. Yeah, right. had no other, you had no other options. I mean, there was no iTunes. There was no other way to get music. You just had to steal it, or else. I mean, getting a CD was a big pain. You know, you'd have to go to the store. They might not have it. They'd have to order it for you. I mean, Amazon was kind of fledgling, at least here in the U.S. Mm. Um, it was a lot of work to get music you wanted. Yeah. Um, that and you Napster, had to shell out a arm and a leg for it. Yeah, Napster has made it super easy. And plus, like as a college student, you know, you screw up your computer, your parents have to buy you another one. You know, no, no skin off my back. Uh, <laughs> and now that it's my computer and I got to pay for it, uh, I'm definitely a little. I, I'm like you. I wouldn't take the risk. Who knows what's in those files? Yeah, not these days. Mm. So, do do any of you use Pirate Bay? You don't want to say, do you? <laughs> it doesn't if, have to be if you used Pirate Bay, you wouldn't admit that you'd use Pirate Bay. Well, there's, there's legal, there, there are legal uses for Pirate Bay. Uh, indeed, there are. It's, it's offline now, isn't it? I don't know. Give it a check. I, 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 used, I used Kazaa like five or six years ago. But, you know, it got to the point where like it took, you know, you'd download what you thought was a song and it would be like static or something. And Who was uh, doing that? Was that the music industry? I think they were. They were putting in fake songs. So you would down. It just became so much work that I was like, you know, I'll just pay for it. It's easier. Mm. That's how it's going to work. If they may, if they can have a model that makes it easy for people to get music and pay for it without having to pay through the nose, 
kind of like you know, you know what we've got now iTunes, Amazon, etc. That's how music's going to sell online. If they're going to mm. stick to their old models and make it really difficult for people to to get music or to have to pay a some huge unjustifiably large sum of money, it's not going to work. And you know that's really Apple's model for success is they've made everything super easy. You know, you you press one button, you get a song. You get the iPhone, you want to get an app. It's one button. I mean, yeah. you can you get the impulse purchase. I mean, I, I we're all super busy. You forget if you don't do it right away, unless you really want it. And uh, you know, it, they've just made it taken all the pain out of buying things. And your people will pay for that. People will pay for not missing on opportunities. Um, yeah. and it's pretty cool. And I think you know, it's definitely the way of the future. Yeah, I've 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 done that a lot of times. I've hit that buy button without really thinking, just a single click. But then afterwards, you kind of think, oh yeah, do I really want that? But too late now. I've got it. So let's listen to it. It's a pretty <laughs> low risk. You know, you're not, I mean, I know with, when I have, I have an iPhone and when I'm going to buy apps, you know, that if it's over three bucks, I might wait a second, you know, like do it three bucks. I don't know. But under that, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's it's a no, a, yeah exactly. It's a no brainer. Yeah. yeah. And that's how they get you to buy lots. Exactly. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, Amazon has acquired Zappos for, well, the deal is depending on how you calculate it, close to a billion us dollars worth. That's do you huge. guys get do you guys get Zappos down there? No, we no. don't do we. No, no. Somebody, so, so you're going to take us through what is Zappos? Okay, so Zappos. My wife loves Zappos. It's a uh, it's a shoe store, online shoe store, which sounds stupid, right? Because shoes are something you really need to feel. Yeah, and try and on. See, you know, <laughs> try sure on and make sure they fit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so it sounds sounds kind of dumb, but these guys have made it super easy. So again, you know, kind of the Apple model and, uh, you know, Amazon to some extent of really trying to be customer centric. Um, they, they let you return your shoes for free overnight. Um, they include with the box so you can order a bunch of shoes, return anything you don't want. There's no fee. This is like the common prom dress problem, right? You buy the palm prom dress, you go to prom, you return it, but they don't even care. They just want people to try the shoes and they're notoriously responsive. In fact, I saw their CEO speak at a conference earlier this year. He told a story that this woman had some shoes and she wanted to return them. They hadn't returned it. And they sent her a few emails and they gave her a call. And she's like, Oh, sorry, I've been distracted. Like my dad died. Um, and they said, Oh, don't worry about it. Hang on to the shoes. Take as long as you walk want. <laughs> and then they, then they like sent flowers. Is that right? Uh, <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so they, they have a notoriously good uh, – people love them. I mean, they're just absolutely passionate about Zappos. So now <laughs> I understand what the uh, CEO of, of Amazon was saying when he was explaining how it's a very customer-friendly you know, uh, service. It's The customers are number one, and that's their focus. That's their culture. And now I see what you mean. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it was a big deal here. I mean, those guys are really cool, and you know, there was a little bit of controversy around the uh, acquisition – I don't know how much you guys follow like the venture capital market and stuff like that, but basically the investors in Zappos wanted to sell and the CEO really didn't want to. He wanted to hold out for an IPO when the market gets better. And so stop me if this isn't up your guys alley, but uh, it's, there was some interesting kind of behind the scenes grappling over what the company should do. And it looks like the investors won out, but you know, no one's going to be too upset with close to a billion dollars. Mm. <laughs> no one's going to be too upset with that. Yeah, but, I wouldn't be. I would settle for that. I wouldn't say no. Exactly. <laughs> if I offered to buy buy your podcast for close to a billion dollars, I hope I wouldn't get too much of a 
a pushback. <laughs> <laughs> we might try and talk you up to one and a half, but other than that. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> it's probably worth a dollar fifty right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I'm here now. We might be up to a buck sixty. The thing is, people, uh, you know, criticize, you know, companies for selling out to, so basically selling their soul out to Microsoft, as as happens a lot. But at the end of the day, wouldn't you do the same? Mm. And that's what it comes down to. You know, if you, if you were offered millions or billions of dollars, you you wouldn't say no. You'd be silly to. Yeah, you would be. <laughs> Well, I mean, there are a couple of examples of companies that are saying no. I mean, they're Twitter and Facebook, right? I mean, a couple of companies have tried to buy those those companies, much bigger companies, and they keep turning them down. Um, so I think if you have kind of massive growth and you think, you know, you can make more money in the stock market and you really care, um, which is what Zappos did. I mean, I think that was their position. I could see turning it down, but I mean, it's also, if you don't turn it down, it's still, the money is so ridiculous that it's hard to get too mad. Uh, didn't Amazon already sell shoes though? Well, they sold clothes. I didn't know if they sold shoes. I, I don't know if they sold shoes too. I mean, maybe kind of through third parties. You know, I think that's pretty much how it was done. It definitely wasn't easy or like integrated or anything. Right. Um, and, you know, presumably now it will be. So this is, this uh, is a good deal, right? Oh, it, as long as, I guess... They've purchased a company which has a brilliant reputation for customer service and for people being first. As long as they embrace that and they keep that, then it's still a good thing. But yeah, yeah you if don't they want change the mo- it to the rest of the, the Amazon way, which is your stuff comes broken and they don't care, then it's yeah, not going to be a good thing. They had a real problem last week. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but they... Uh, they deleted 1984 on everybody's Kindles. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, I, I saw that story. I don't know if you guys – do you guys have Kindle down there? I know they're not available everywhere. No, I don't think they're no, available no. here. We, yeah, we, I know, we know what they are, but we, we can't get them. Sure. So the electronic book reader, there was some – whatever version they had was they didn't – they had the wrong copyright or something. So they overnight, they, they deleted it. And not only did it delete it kind of from the library, but it also deleted it off the Kindles of people who already bought it. So it's the equivalent of them going into your house, taking a bookshelf off the shelf and taking it back to Amazon. So uh, <laughs> did the they CEO, give you money back? <laughs> uh, I don't think, I don't know. I, I'm guessing they did. I would guess they did. Um, <laughs> well, you'd hope so. Jeez. Yeah, you would hope so. Their CEO went on record this week, said that was a terrible thing to have done. We really screwed up. He said all the right stuff. You know, it's completely out of line with our mission. It was a big mistake and we're sorry. Um, so it was a good comeback, but they also needed something to kind of, people were pissed, uh, as you can imagine. And, yeah, oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think the Zappos acquisition helps them, you know, look a little more friendly or, you know, at least gives that impression. Well, this, this is the whole reason that, that people are worried with Apple uh, implementing a kill switch for the iPhone because this kind of thing could happen. Mm. You never know. And, the, and these, you know, these companies are controlled in the end by just a couple of people, you know, mm. flipping switches. Yeah, you know, and these little bugs can get in there and make a lot of damage. I mean, the good news is the companies know it's really bad and for the most part they try to fix it. But yeah, the, you know, on a short-term level, uh, there, there can be, definitely be problems. 
Alrighty, Microsoft is going to offer the EU a different approach. It's going to suggest that instead of unbundling Internet Explorer with Windows, that it actually offers the browser with Windows, but when you boot up, it's going to offer you a choice of installing an alternative browser and in fact even uninstalling Internet Explorer as well. Is it going to be good enough? I don't know. Um, well, it was one of, it's exactly uh, one of the options that we talked about when we first talked about the Microsoft having to unbundle Internet Explorer story a few episodes ago. And we had said that this was quite possibly one of the ways around that. People aren't so sure that the EU is going to like that. That's the only thing. But they're going to go, Indeed. no, no, you're going to, that's not good enough. You're going to have to, you know, ditch it all together. And when you ship Windows, so, you know. Mm. Mm. But then, um, <laughs> you know, uh, the people at Opera are happy about it. <laughs> they think the ballad is a good idea. I don't know. Why, why don't they just put all the browsers on every single copy of Windows that ships in the EU? Be done with it. <laughs> I think that's I'm probably curious, harder. Like, when you get a Mac, though, I mean, I think you only get Safari, right? Actually, well, that's a point. How come they not, you know, subject to the same sorts of things in, in Europe? <laughs> that's because, because that's, the, that's the EC can only target one person at a time. <laughs> and Microsoft's the biggest fish, I guess. <laughs> Microsoft is the biggest fish at the moment there. I, mean, I run a Mac, and indeed you're right, Matt, because, you know, the only browser on here is Safari, well, at least when I bought it. Mm-hmm. And the irony is, you know, Apple's doing much better than Microsoft these days. If you look at their recent earnings reports, I mean, Microsoft is like went down 17%. Apple is soaring. So Apple's got arguably more money at the moment. Yeah. Um, Microsoft, are they definitely on, on the upswing? Microsoft <laughs> shares don't really do a lot. They kind of just sit there in hmm. terms of the value. They just sit there, they, don't they? They've kind of run out of new ideas lately. You know, I mean, they're not, they're just kind of putting out the same thing with slight differences. Um, they're not really taking risks. Uh, that's just the way they are right now. I, I don't, you know, they're not exciting, but you kind of need them. I mean, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> they're just kind of, mil- they're milking that cow and, you know, the cow's going to get old. Um, and that, you know, you've seen that it's like AOL, you know, AOL was, there was for a while, at least here in the U S um, AOL was like, you know, flying so high and then people are like, Oh, AOL would be around forever. Well, they're not around anymore. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You got to continue to innovate. And, uh, you know, I don't know if Microsoft has, I know a lot of people work at Microsoft. They're really smart. You know, I would never count them out, but I think they kind of just do so much. Apple does a really good job on focusing on really cool, small things. So, uh, it's easy to remember and keep top of mind. So it's not the people, is it? It's, uh, is it the organization? It's uh, this, the culture of the organization. Is that the problem? Mm. You know, Bill Gates built that company and he's not working there that much anymore. And I think, you know, that's always an issue. He, he had a vision and he was ruthless and he got it done. And I don't know if that's, uh, if they, if they maintain, it's really hard to maintain that kind of focus. I mean, you see the same deal with Apple. I've, I've seen a bunch of charts, you know, the four, four or five years Steve Jobs left Apple, they tanked. Uh, they just couldn't yeah, do it. Absolutely. Uh, and, it, you know, it's a lot of great companies are driven by great people. And, uh, you know, at the top who just kind of ram things through and, uh, I, I don't know. Microsoft, no one gets too excited about Microsoft, you know. But you see, it's, that, it's, that can be quite dangerous for companies like Apple because, you know, Steve Jobs pretty much is Apple. Apple is Steve. And that's, well, that's the way it's perceived. And that's that's one risk, you know, especially, you know, as we saw with, with uh, Steve's health recently. Uh, you know, people were getting nervous. 
So it can it can be a good thing, but it, it can have its risks as well on the flip side. So anyway, but it's I can't imagine Microsoft disappearing though, or, or, or I, I just don't know why, but it just doesn't seem right. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think they will they will ever disappear. They will never embrace that philosophy. I don't know, guys. I mean, it's early to say, but but you know, there's remember like the Commodore t- Texas Instruments had a computer and. I know Commodore 64 was a big one and, you know, Atari. That's right. Atari, like, yeah. You know, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll be around forever. And then they weren't. You know, anything could happen and things move so fast that you, you just never know. I, I agree. They're huge. And it's like kind of, you know, it's it's hard to envision. But uh, if you look at the Fortune 500 companies from 100 years ago and look at them today, I think there are four companies that are the same. Um, and that just speaks to how technology changes and how hard it is for institutions to change. And usually they just die and new ones come up. So, you know, Microsoft mm. definitely has given us a lot of things, but they, they haven't always been consumer friendly and they've more, more been uh, monopoly focused. So, you well, know, no one gets too sad over Microsoft. No, no, <laughs> they don't. <laughs> yeah. I think this is going to be interesting times for Microsoft because you know a lot of people have actually predicted that around about now is the beginning of their demise. But I've yet to be convinced, to be honest. But uh, a lot of people are predicting that. I yeah, I've seen those predictions. But as we've talked about before, Microsoft has been putting new feet forward. They've been branching out into different fields. You mean the coffee table? <laughs> <laughs> their coffee table. Their the gaming console. The MP3 player markets, the search engine, and as we previously said, Bing's doing quite well for itself. And the going into the cloud with their versions of the Office Suite online. So yeah, actually, that, that was an are, interesting move. They're, they're always they a little bit behind, though. They're, they're always playing catch-up, it seems, though, these days. You know, they are virtual, playing Virtualization's up. another one. You know, you've got VMware, who's streaks ahead. Uh, mm. And Microsoft's really playing catch up with their what is it AppV or Hyper-V or whatever it's called these days. Yeah. So it, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. times. It is interesting times, and they do spend far too much on the lawyers and far too little on research and development. Well, they've been spending <laughs> a lot of time releasing code under the GPL recently. They have done that, <laughs> but we know we now know why, don't we? <laughs> well. <laughs> We know why some of it definitely should have been released under GPL in the first place. Because was it a couple of weeks ago? They yeah, exactly. A couple of weeks ago, they they released I think twenty thousand lines of code. It was for a, a Linux driver of some sort. Yeah, Linux drivers, Hyper V, as you were talking about just before. Yeah. Hyper V drivers. It's now been revealed, or at least people suspect that uh, it was simply because if they hadn't, they'd be violating the license. So really, it was just basically a big cover up in a way, or well, not really a cover up, but a uh, what's the word? Kind of they, a, were, a little work they had to release it, so they released it, but they hyped it up a bit. Yeah, exactly. They made it look like, oh, look, look what we're doing. We're, you know, we're the nice guys. We're contributing to open source. And what you don't hear them say is only because we have to. Yep. But even then, they, with companies quite as large as that and with closed source software, the, they could have not released it. It is entirely possible that they, you know, could have just kept that closed source, and nobody would have been any the wiser. So why That's did they? So some someone must stuff. have someone someone must have got a, a hint of that, surely. Because, like you say, if no one knew, well, indeed, but nobody did know, and it's only stories have only been released about the fact that some of the Hyper V driver was, you know, included 
um, links to uh, code under GPL after the fact, now that people have had a chance to have a look at the code. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say about about just hopping in here and, you know, there's that old psychological maxim that behavior shapes attitude rather than attitude shaping behavior. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's completely counterintuitive, but it's uh, it's a really interesting point. And I think, you know, if Microsoft does this for whatever reason. They put something out at, under open source. You know, they, they'll see that, you know, the world's not going to end. They're not going to suddenly go bankrupt. They're not going to suddenly lose customers. It's a good thing. And, uh, you know, if anything, it's nice to see companies. I don't care how, you know, if they have to be forced into it, not as good as they want to do it from the bottom of their heart. Um, But I think getting those habits down are Mm. uh, always good. And just kind of getting people used to the idea, uh, socializing it, um, you know, always helps for the future. You know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I I take it as a cautious sign of optimism, cautious sign of optimism. Yep. Yep. I agree fully. All right. It's agreed. All right. All agree as well. All right. Indeed. It's far better to praise Microsoft for releasing this stuff into open source than it is to then go around after after they've done it and then smack them on the hands for it. Because if you praise them for it, they might release more. Exactly. If you smack them on the hands, they're going to go into, well, I'm not sharing with you anymore. <laughs> Plus, it's so easy to smack them on the hands for other things, you know. Exactly. <laughs> like browsers. Like uh, browsers. <laughs> Alrighty, Matt and Brett, you, I understand you guys both use Facebook. I'm probably the only person on the world left that doesn't. Uh, Get on fa- Facebook, man. Come no, on. No, no, <laughs> no, Indeed. I'm, 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 I'm resisting. You're missing, you're missing out on part of the world. <laughs> Everyone tells me that, but uh, I don't see it yet. Uh, <laughs> you might be right, though. But look, Facebook Connect is, is – what is Facebook Connect? It's basically a way of integrating – tell me if this is correct. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong because I don't use Facebook. But I understand it's a way of integrating authentication and your basically your Facebook network onto other sites. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Is that a good summary? Basically, that's it. Yeah. I'm actually using this a lot in my, my day job. I, uh, I'm the head of marketing for a green nonprofit targeting uh, high school kids. And so we always want them to get involved and do things. And a lot of them are on Facebook. And it's so easy if they use Facebook to sign in and do things. You know, one common problem we all have, we're all signed up on like 300 websites and we have to have a login and a password. And, you know, everybody makes their login and password exactly the same or they have a couple because otherwise you just can't remember it, oh, right? Such a so pain. A, yeah. It's mm-hmm. such a pain. So on a purely, you know, easy to use level, Facebook Connect, you know, you can log in, you can comment, you can read the newspaper, you can do everything using one login, right? So if you did that, you might actually change the password periodically. You might actually take some of the basic precautions people always say you should do. Um, yeah. Uh, on top of that, they, they really enable you, you can do go beyond that and do really cool things. And at my job, we're actually developing a, a uh, an online movie. And there have been a few in the past where you can customize it for your friends and your friend's name will appear in the movie. Uh, it's, it's really cool. There was a big one when Obama, uh, during the election here, um, that had one that said, oh, you were the one person who didn't vote for Obama and that's why he lost, right? So it was a fake news program and it would say, your name would show up kind of in the background and everyone would be blaming the loss of the fictional election on you. That's um, great. Now you, and now you can use Facebook to log in and it will pull in more information. So 
it will pull in your name. It will pull in pictures that you've posted on Facebook and makes it, you can make these awesome videos that are customized for you. Um, and there's a whole lot of possibility down the line for, you know, how that can really make the internet a more social and personalized place. Um, mm. Mashable, which is a great social media website, recently published a list of top 10 cool ways to use Facebook Connect. We don't really, I don't think we need to go through all of them. I'll, I'll, I will single out kind of the top two, I thought. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Uh, one was really basic. It's uh, the Washington Post. Rather than remembering your login, I, I'm from Washington, D.C. originally, and I read the Washington Post all the time. It's one of our top newspapers. And uh, rather than remembering my name, which I can't, my email and password, which I can't remember on a new computer, uh, I just log in with Facebook. And when I make a comment, it publishes that comment to my Facebook page so my friends see what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and so they can, they're like, oh, this is what Matt's up to. That's pretty cool. I'll check it out also. So it's a great way to share stuff outside of Facebook with your friends. So it's um, more than just an authentication API. It, it, it understands your network. It understands who you are and yeah. it, it, it can fully integrate yeah, it can, and, and post stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It can pull in and pull stuff from your Facebook and publish stuff to your Facebook. It is a way to integrate Facebook with something else. That's the, cool. the other example I'll show just, I'll mention just cause it's really, really cool and worth a look is a, uh, the prototype experience and it's prototype dash or hyphen experience.com. Uh, it's a, it's a promo for a video game and they pull in your pictures and you know, you got to go out and like save the world and they make this really cool promo and you really just have to see it. So check it out. Um, prototype dash uh, experience.com and it'll, it, it's amazing. It's mind blowingly cool. Um, so <laughs> It's really, I can't do it justice without you guys checking it out. So uh, that could be a good reason to sign up. Oh, just- I was just going to say, if anything, this is the one reason for me to sign up to Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yes, finally. I can feel we'll the pressure. Add on, add on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. One thing's for sure is that's the future. I mean, Facebook's kind of a closed area right now. And I think the future, and they've said this, is, you know, everything is connected through Facebook. So, you know, when you go to buy a pair of shoes on Zappos and you look at the reviews, you know, you don't really care what Joe Blow and, you know, Auckland said, right? You'd rather know what your friends say. So it can, it can uh, theoretically filter out those responses by your friends. Yeah, that's, that's um, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it, it, it can, you know, it means in the future, you'll really be connected a lot better and you'll get more trustworthy opinions and you'll make better decisions. Oh, I got to get on Facebook. There it is. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> You're missing out on the future, Edwin. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> All righty. Hey, uh, was it last week or the week before? We talked about some security, a new security technology developed to basically blur parts of the screen that you're not looking at because it can work out where you're looking on the screen. Well, here's another use for the same sort of technology. This is basically an uh, eco-friendly uh, implementation of this where if you're not looking at your screen, it turns itself off. How cool is that? It's interesting. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I work at a green nonprofit. I didn't know about this. So I'm going to make them blog about it. Yeah, that's uh, a- that, you know, one, one of the big problems with the environment, environmental stuff is, you know, things are on all the time and just because you, it's a pain to start them up again. Yeah. Um, 
it, you know, it's just work. And when they make these smarter devices that know when you're using it, when you're not, it's going to save a lot of energy. And, you know, that's the big problem I think of our generation is, uh, how are we going to power our, our, you know, ever consumptive world? Um, and this is a really cool, this is really cool. Thanks for, uh, for bringing it up. I, I'm, I look, I'm the first to admit that I'm really lazy when it comes to these devices. I leave my, my computer on all day and I'm not using it for most of the day. It's just simply because it's such an effort to, to hit the sleep button even, but <laughs> I, yes. I just don't because I can't be bothered. I'm, I'm really, I've got other things Very to lazy. do. Yeah. So look, I'd, <laughs> I'd love something like this. This would be great. It's a great use of, of new technology or new ways it of is, using existing it technology. It's, I've been reading some stuff of, uh, you know, along that lines uh, once I saw the story, and it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's got some things to overcome yet because it, 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 it does rely on your webcam and being able to see your face, which means if you perhaps, you know, you've got this on your computer and you're watching a movie in the dark, then the camera's not going to see your face, so it's going to turn your screen off. Oh, that's so, a good point, yeah. And a lot of the things that they were talking about, the reasons to have this, are the fact that people have screensavers, but, but people turn the screensavers off when the screensaver kicks in at the wrong time, and then they never turn it back on. I have, you know, I have this feeling that this would probably go the same way. You'd have this cool thing, and it'd work most of the time until that one time when you wanted to watch a movie in the dark, or you wanted to watch a movie while you were lying, you know, on the sofa, <laughs> further away than your webcam can see your face, and it turns it off. So you go and turn it off, and then you never turn it back on again. So they got to get this right first time, otherwise it's just They've not going to get it right first work. time. Otherwise yeah. it's going to yeah. Otherwise it's not going to work. Right. All the good intentions in the world, <laughs> the first time it annoys somebody, they'll turn it off. And then if they turn it on again, that's there's your problem. Well, it's kind of your first impressions principle, isn't it? Yep. It's the same with the web, really. You release a new service or a new store, and if you do it wrong the first time, people are not going to come back. Well, you know, it's the first of anything is never that great, right? I mean, uh, you know, the first iPhone had problems. The first Kindle had problems. You know, you never really want to get the first generation. You want to let them work out the bugs. But, you know, exactly. they got to try it. They got to try it. Um, and I think it's cool that they're taking that first step. Undoubtedly, they'll get better feedback and refine and improve and, you know, technology is only going to get better. Speaking of uh, new technology, something else that they've released recently is a wireless method of recharging batteries. Now, that's going to be cool. That's very cool. Now, already you can kind of – they've got devices that kind of do that on a very, very small scale already. Like, for example, electric toothbrushes. You, you put those on their stand and they charge and it's completely wireless. It's, it's just plastic at the bottom. That's through induction. And the way this thing the, – the way they've managed to improve this one is through resonance. So basically, when, when two things have the same resonant frequency, they're in tune with each other and a huge amount of efficiency in transmitting energy from one to the other. And that's how they can manage to, to get these devices to charge wirelessly on a much bigger scale than just electric toothbrushes. So we're talking about things like mobile phones and uh, PDAs and things like that. Yeah. Because who, who, who wants to have an, yet another dock or another cable? I mean... <laughs> another power plug to try and... Plug I'm, into sitting, already I'm sitting on my desk here and I see like seven cables, you know? <laughs> you, need, um, you need a Mac. <laughs> yeah, no, there, <laughs> half of them are for a Mac. Um, <laughs> I got power strips. I got like for the camera. I got the printer cable. I got headphones, you know? Um, that is an amazing technology and that is revolutionary. I, I mean, that's going to that's gonna change how we live. Absolutely. I, I, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. The, the, yeah, the thing is something is, to buy and do now. <laughs> well, the, the the thing is, when these things get announced, it's always a good five or ten years before we actually see them on our desktop. So you know, yeah. but that's the way it goes. And look, this is it's good to see these things. Uh, you know, some research being done into these things. This is that's the only way that things go forward. Now they actually tried it with the Google G One phone. <laughs> And the Apple iPhone, but of course, Apple being Apple, they've locked it down so much, they kind of had to dismantle the whole iPhone and they couldn't get the cover back on, so they had to make a, a separate back for it. But they're just proving a concept. Mm, it's got potential for so many different things. If they've mentioned, you know, you're walking into your lounge room or your, you know, your office with your cell phone, you see your cell phone starts charging, but also with electric cars, you drive into your garage and your car starts to charge. No having to plug it in or think about any of those sorts of things. I think one of the biggest implications will be for the developing world. I mean, we've already seen how wireless, you know, they never got wired in the developing world, but but through cell phones and Wi-Fi, uh, they can communicate and catch up. And, Mm. you know, a lot of places that don't have electricity, you know, this could change everything and really contribute to economic development and human development uh, in a lot of places that haven't been, been faring too well there. Absolutely, that's that's got to be a good thing. That that's yeah. great. Uh, now, Matt, uh, we haven't talked about your story actually yet. We should really do that before we get too far down the track. Uh, you understand you're using Twitter in a rather ingenious way. What are you doing there? All right, so I'm tweeting out my novel, uh, The French Revolution. It's uh, the French Rev on Twitter. I invite everybody out there to to follow along. And what I've done is I actually had a fortunately I had a friend build a tool. Uh, that breaks up my novel into 140 character chunks or shorter and uh, shoots them out over Twitter. So you can follow along. The, the way I, I kind of frame it is, you know, the one thing Twitter is really, really good at is getting people's attention and, and understanding our modern attention span, which is pretty short. But we have learned that people will read tweets. They will read text messages because by the time you're done looking at it, you already have read it all. Um, so the way, the way I frame my, my uh, exploits here my adventure in Twitter is that it's a great way to learn to uh, sample a book and get quick shots of literary joy throughout your day. You can read a little section really fast. And then if you want to read more, you can click on it, buy the book, uh, read it, read more and learn more about it. So it's, it's been a terrific uh, experiment. I've been getting amazing feedback, which has been just great. Um, I, it was really, you know, a lot of people like, I don't understand Twitter. Twitter's stupid. You know, it's there's actually a lot of stuff out there on the five stages of Twitter acceptance, which is which is another story. Um, <laughs> but but it's been it's been really really exciting to see how well people have responded to this. Um, so yeah, I definitely invite everyone out there to follow me at the French Rev R E V for the French Revolution, and I'd love to hear what you, what you say and invite feedback and comments and uh, any ideas you may have. So how far through the through tweeting the novel are you? You know, it's really slow going. That's kind of surprising. Um, I'm not that far. I'm probably like 20, 20, 25 pages in. Not 25, probably about 20. Uh, out of uh, how, how many pages? Like 300 plus. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the one thing I haven't really figured out, and I don't think anyone's cracked the code on this, is like, what's what's the right frequency? And I'd love to hear that from from your listeners. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually, because that, 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 that's the one thing. You can work out how many tweets it's going to take. It was something like 37,000, I think. Is that right? Yeah. But, I mean, how, except- but how often do you deliver them? That's the, the hard part, isn't it? Right. You want, you want to have some sense of, you know, connection without being spam. So I'm not tweeting on the weekends, for example. I don't think any, you know, not that many people are watching Twitter over the weekend. 
Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm toying with the times. I started at 15, every 15 minutes during kind of the, uh, American working day. I went down to 12 minutes. I started getting some feedback too much. Um, so I went up and I think Friday I did 25 minutes. I've done 30. Uh, I don't know. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, the other thing I'm, I'm experimenting with is doing a lightning round now and then. So I thought that might be kind of fun of, uh, you know, just like a tweet every two minutes for an hour. Um, oh, you, just have, yeah. you just kind of have a power hour of, uh, you know, hardcore tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to mix things up. You know, I might lose a few people on that, but the great thing about social media is there really are no rules. You can, uh, you know, I'm, just, I'm figuring this out along with everybody else. So it, it'll be cool and exciting to see what happens. Look, I must say, I think this is awesome. This is a great example of the web and the, the you know, social media and, and how we're connected. And like you say, there are no rules. And this is, this is believed to be a first, right? No one's done this before. Well, you know, I thought it was close to a first when I started. And of course, afterward, I've been hearing a lot from other people. So there are some people who write novels on Twitter. There are some people... Uh, who have read or tweeted out famous novels. Um, I'm, you know, it's like, I'm the, I think I'm the first full length novel to be released on Twitter, not written on Twitter. It's fully edited. I mean, I'm among the first, that's for sure. You know, there are a lot of caveats yeah. at that. Uh, and I'm definitely, I'd say, uh, among the most well-known and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really, I, I appreciate your feedback. It's really cool to see what people are, uh, are doing. I mean, one little thing, and it's a little subtle thing that people have done, but I love it, is that readers retweet passages. So they're kind of saying, oh, this was cool. You guys should see it to their friends. Or I got one the other day with some question marks after it. They didn't get the line. So we had a little back and forth over, hey, why, what, what didn't you like about it? She said, it didn't make sense. And I asked her why, and she said why, and I you know, tried to sweet talk her back into it. She didn't really buy it. But it was good to have the conversation. No, it's just the kind of instant feedback you can't get. It's really hard to get any other way. And I think, mm. I think people will appreciate the fact that you're actually interacting with your readers, which you can't do once the novel's just, uh, you know, in, in pulp format, ink, ink on pulp. You can't really yeah. inter interact with your readers that way. You know, most books really haven't evolved a whole lot past, you know, caveman drawings. I mean, they're, they're unidirectional information. And you don't get to change it. And it's been the same for hundreds of years. And no other real media form has stayed the same. I mean, pictures became video. You know, we got color. We got sound. They're online now. They can be personalized using Facebook Connect. There's so many options. And yet most books are just text on paper. You know, there's a lot more we can do. And I look forward to, you know, experimenting and trying new things. Because I think people want more. People want to love books and a lot of people do, but they're also books are kind of losing out to other cooler stuff. And we got to make books cool again. And that's part of part of what I'm trying to do. I think that's awesome. I'm going to read the last the last one that you posted is from between Esmeralda's legs, slick with blood and wailing like a walloped cat. <laughs> so there we go. If that's all you got said, you'd wonder. <laughs> I want to see the next bit now. Mm. So how you, you you said you're doing this with, with the help of a programmer, right? Because you're not doing this with copy-paste. Yeah, I have a friend who uh, who actually works at Pandora, the internet radio company. And they uh, fortuitously uh, are three floors behind, below my office. Oh, that's um, handy. Oh, that's yeah, handy. Yeah, exactly. So I, I was out to lunch with them and I said, hey, I'm thinking about tweeting out my novel. 
I have no idea how to do it. I obviously can't sit at the computer all day because I'm, you know, I have a job. Um, <laughs> and he said, Hey, I think I can write something up in a couple hours. And he wrote up a very simple software. And I think he's going to release it to the masses in not too long. So I'll keep you guys posted on that. I just drop in my text. I, I put in what tags I want to have on it. And uh, it just automatically, I set the timing. I set what time I want it to start and I can uh, spit it out throughout the day. In fact, if you guys let me know when this is going to go out, I can time something that, you know, gives you guys a shout out, encourages people to, uh, to download the podcast. So I'd, I'd love to do that for your, uh, for your listeners. Yeah, sure. Just let me know. Just let me know. Yeah, we'll do. Have to do it for you. Sure, great one. Look, uh, all the best with that. I think. Uh, so, what was your Twitter name again? It was the French Rev. Yeah, the French Rev. T H E F R E N C H R E V. So, like the French Revolution, except they don't let you write out revolution. That's too it's long. Too long for Twitter. For Twitter yeah, mm. the French Rev. The book's called the French Revolution. All righty. Well, look, all the best with that, and uh, we'll invite our listeners to to check that out on Twitter. And you've, awesome. you've also got a website, haven't you? The, thefrenchrev.com. Thefrenchrev.com has a compilation of the latest tweets. It also has more information about me and places where you can uh, buy the book and read it linearly if that's more your cup of tea. And I think it is for most people. I mean, most people don't want to – reading a book on Twitter is kind of cool, but it's not great for long-form reading. So, so this uh, is kind of to get them hooked, really. That's why you're doing it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's to be fun. It's to kind of you know spice up your day with some literature – lot of reasons and you know I, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen and again you know it's awesome to hear the great feedback and how much are, how much are you selling the electronic versions of the book a dollar 99 american that's nothing buy that's, it that's a bargain <laughs> that that's is a, a bargain, bargain. And I was giving I was giving it away on a PDF until my agent told me to stop, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> Might be good advice. Might be, I don't know. Like 2000 people downloaded it in you know a couple days, so that was pretty cool. Uh um, mm. It's 2,000 extra readers right there. Yeah. Exactly. Just like that. You know, as many advocates as I can get, that's 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 what I'm after. Excellent. Well, all the best with that, Matt. And uh, look, I, I will be following that and, uh, and, and see how it goes. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate your warm welcome. And again, I invite you and all your all your listeners to check it out, The French Rev on Twitter. The French Rev and also the website, thefrenchrev.com. Right. Apple has basically changed its pricing for its laptops, which means that Microsoft has had to change the Laptop Hunter ads. Or at least one of them. Mm. That's kind of <laughs> kind of weird, isn't it? Because they were talking about the, the ad goes like she has to find a laptop for I think uh, under seventeen hundred dollars, and there were, the one she the Mac she was looking at at the time was two thousand dollars. But I understand that the prices have changed now. There's, they've I'm not, not sure what the new price is, but it's come under seventeen hundred. Of course, Apple phones uh, Redmond and says, uh, <clears throat> "Excuse me, you need to you know." update your ad now and uh, and so they did so they've re-edited it and there's no they don't talk about the price now they just say it seems like you're paying a lot for the brand so there's no mention of price mm. <laughs> uh, you know it's funny because i totally agree with what they're saying and, you know you are paying for the brand with apple <laughs> that's that's what apple's done so well is you know created this emotional just lust for apple products yeah they, uh, what did microsoft call it the apple tax i think yes. yeah <laughs> it's the same reason you pay more for a Coke than you pay for you know, your, the, the cheap version. You're like, ah, it's a Coke. I know what I'm getting. Exactly. Um, and uh, they, it's very smart to Apple. And, you know, Microsoft, there is no PC equivalent because PCs are generally generic. And they might pay a little more for like an HP or something. But 
So um, in the PC world, people do people really care about the brand? Do they go, oh, I've got a Toshiba. Oh, really? Well, I got an HP. You should have got an HP. You know, do, do people actually care about brand in the PC world? <laughs> Not really. Bit. I think a little bit. I mean, I know when I when I get a computer, it's worth going into like the store and talking to a couple of guys because they tend to know the latest. I mean, we have Dell here. I don't know if you guys have it, but yeah, Dell. Yeah, Dell's yeah, we here. we yeah. have Dell. We have yeah. Dell, all right? We're all right. Dell. So Dell used to be the best, right? I mean, Dell used in the early two thousands. Like you got a Dell. That's just what you did. And now you know Dell is, has a terrible reputation. There's that whole Dell hell thing uh, going on and. People hate Dell and yeah, you know, but, things just change. You know, they, they change their factory, they change their processes, they change their oversight and uh, yeah, things totally change. So it's, I think it is worth a little research to figure out, you know, who's hot, who's not. Um, but generally, yeah, you know, it's a PC. They're, they're all basically the same. Mm. Yeah. Generally when you, you head out to look for a laptop, you're looking for a, What's going to meet your specifications, and does it? Yeah, has it had a good review? Or so. So I guess the brand only really comes in when the you know if it's a manufacturer that perhaps has a particularly bad reputation, you might say, oh well, I'll pass on that one, but I'll get something else with similar specs. Mm. This is the thing that the PC world don't seem so fanatical about their brands. You know, don't you don't have these I don't know HP users groups out there. Why is Not that? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it's. No. Make people Part of the passionate. community feel of of um, the the Macintosh, people who stuck with Macintoshes from the beginning. I suppose it's unique in the sense that, in terms of the operating system, the hardware is pretty much the same these days. But in terms of the operating system, I guess it's kind of unique, and maybe that's why they they, they have a following. Whereas, you know, and it, the the peripherals and the the look and feel, it's it's very distinct. There's no way you could sit down at a, a a Mac laptop and have an HP laptop next to you and confuse the two. No, that's true. In fact, you watch even you- without seeing the logo. <laughs> you know, the irony is, I just I actually my new I started a new job recently and they gave me a Mac and uh, I couldn't use it and I tried to learn and I gave it a month and a half and I was it was like running with a parachute. Um, <laughs> so I said, screw this. I'm getting, I'm getting a PC. They're like, that's fine. You know, it was half as much. And I went for a, I, I really did love the, the Mac feel, like you said. I mean, that, that was a, it was a beautiful object. It was the right size. I went out and dug around and got an HP, not as cool, but pretty close. And I'm using it right now. And it's really, uh, I'm really happy with it. Sorry, so, what, what? You're breaking up. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> no, well, I do have to admit, and you have to give kudos to HP. HP have gone for that market. They have gone for the looking slick, looking stylish, having those, you know, the the, the laser printed patterns, the HP swooshes. You can get what you can get coloured. Yeah, I have the option cases that have been designed by world-renowned designers, and so they've gone for that market of being of being that chic. So yeah, don't they make the all-in-ones as well, like the iMac? I think they've yeah. got a, a similar model. They they were kind of they do they that. do, and yeah. it is it is actually quite nice looking. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's weird that you can't customize what your laptop looks like. You'd think that'd be you know standard. I mean, I recently got my wife a flip cam, and. Uh, you could. She actually just got sworn in as a U.S. citizen, so I got her this flip cam with like a big U.S. flag on it. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> and now she's advertising it every time she uses it. But the flip cam lets you put whatever design you want. You can put pictures. You can put. 
I think it was an extra 30 bucks, but you know, well worth it to, to have a really cool design on it. And they have a library of a few thousand and you can upload a picture, you can upload whatever you want. And it's weird that you can't do that for laptops. I mean, the technology, is, yeah. <laughs> it's an untapped market. Totally. I mean, I, a lot of people I would pay more to customize how it looks. I mean, it's funny. My, my sister-in-law got a camera for, uh, for Christmas and she opens the can, you know, she gets a camera. She's like, Oh boy, a camera. And then, you know, it, it, she opened the box and took it out and it was pink. And she screamed about it's pink for probably five minutes. Um, <laughs> it really, really, really thrills people um, to customize their, their stuff. So I'm, sur- yeah, I'm surprised we haven't seen more of that. Well, there's some hints to laptop manufacturers out there. <laughs> Allow you to customize the imagery yeah, on the outside. Absolutely. There's a market for it. That's there for sure. Is. Yeah. Alrighty, Queens. Wouldn't surprise me if HP took off on that one. Yeah, it's it is an HP kind of thing, isn't it? You think? Yep. So watch this space. Alrighty, in Australia, Queensland police uh, say that they're going to be the first police force in the world to go on war driving missions to warn homes and businesses if their wireless networks are not secure. Is that kind of is that is that good or is that kind of? I'm in two minds about this whole thing. <clears throat> well, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> the the two minds about it are well. Number one, it's a good thing because it means people with insecure Wi-Fi networks will be being warned by some people who, you know, have authority to warn people going, oi, you might want to secure something about that. But on the the second half is you've got a whole heap of police war driving to find insecure networks. <laughs> exactly. The question is, is that a good investment in police resources? That, it's time. It's time to cut the police budget in Queensland if they're doing stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've got- these guys go back to buying donuts and coffee. I mean, this is just uh, this. This is ridiculous. I mean, I find this as an American. Like, come on, guys, aren't there crimes you could be solving? I mean, this is uh, this seems silly. Oh, but and- there's no crime in Queensland. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> <clears throat> Unless, of course, this is some sort of automated thing built into their cars so that when they're ride, driving around doing their regular daily business, a light blinks saying somewhere near you is an insecure network and then they can act on it. If they're actively wasting their time going around war driving, then that is completely a waste of their resources. But if it's something that's passive, as they're just going around doing their regular patrols and those sorts of things, then, then I, you know... Then it's less of a impingement on their own police time doing their own police stuff, and it's just an addition. Well, it that is, is quite handy. Ultimately, it is to catch criminals because the reason they're doing this is that there are a lot of criminals out there that are basically piggybacking off wireless, you know, insecure wireless networks. I, I feel like their money would be better spent on like running an ad campaign or like sending some letters to people or you know, yeah, education, running, yeah. getting awareness, education. Yeah, than you know, going out and driving around with like the. I'm envisioning like the police van, you know, and the guy with the headphones and uh, oh, the sonar the- screen. <laughs> Which uh, that's really funny because yeah. I was envisaging the the man with a laptop in the back of a police squad car with a Pringles tube sticking out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I was imagining an unmanned vehicle. Now that would be cool. Yeah. That would be cool, but I don't think they've they've quite mastered those yet. So yeah, <laughs> and that would be a little more expensive. <laughs> They should put this money into, you know, working on that wireless electricity. I think mean, that's a better uh, better use of money, of taxpayer resources. Yeah, I sick on that. <laughs> well, look, I'll tell you what, that concludes our international stories for the week. And, uh, Matt, you happy to stick around for the uh, New Zealand stories after this? 
Oh, of course. I got to know what's going on. Oh, oh, good one. Excellent. And I'll tell you what, we'll, um, we'll you have to get you out to New Zealand sometime. I, I'm, it's definitely on my list. Good. Excellent. That's nice to hear. I'll tell you what, we'll take a short break then. When we come back, we'll look at the New Zealand stories for this week in the tech sector. All right, welcome back. New Zealand Post is basically saying goodbye to a few Microsoft products and hello to some Google online apps. That's a huge announcement. That is a huge announcement. It's pretty bold. So what they're doing is they're aiming to save $2 million over three years by shifting, I think it's uh, Outlook for, for email and calendaring and also SharePoint for you know collaboration, online collaboration. Uh, they're basically moving those services over to Google Apps. And what's interesting is that the savings don't actually come from the licensing as you might first think. It's actually coming from uh, savings from infrastructure. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It's it's yeah it's a bold it's a bold move. They've had what a a ten week ongoing proof of concept project to determine whether or not they were going to do it, and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing some results from this and how they actually think you know how all the staff find moving to this sort of thing and I'd really like to see uh, what they came up with about the the security of the environments that they're going to be working in yeah now that they're working in the cloud yeah yeah, seeing as they're putting stuff out in the cloud what they've written up around that because you know once something's in the cloud (laughs) Microsoft aren't reacting very much they're kind of saying ah yeah yeah go for it it's no big deal. Well, you know, yeah. they're playing it down, well, they, but they kind of have to. They kind of have to. Yeah, you wouldn't go up in arms about, oh, they've chosen somebody else against us. Cry, 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 because Microsoft pitched their version of the cloud-based Exchange Outlook combination, but NZ Post didn't go for it. Uh, what I thought was most interesting about it is you know, what you would expect to be an issue with this would be the high bandwidth requirements of stuff, which is all done through the cloud, all done over the internet. And that the New Zealand Post spokesman came back saying that what they had initially thought might be an issue with the broadband, um, their bandwidth. Yeah, that's the word. With their bandwidth usage, was really just an issue with a browser. You know, I can I can actually chime in with this one a little bit because my my office, in fact, is on Google Apps. We don't use we don't have Exchange. We kind of did the same thing. And oh, really? Uh, yeah, I think the main reason is we're a nonprofit and it was free. So, you know, free over exchange is something we're going to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I, I think, you know, the, there really are no differences in bandwidth because I don't know about you, but I'm online all the time anyway. So uh, it doesn't really feel like anything has changed on that level. I think, you know, exchange is pinging the server so much anyway that it's it's the same kind of communications frequency. The, the thing is here in New Zealand, we're actually at the end of a very, very long and narrow pipe. And it's kind of, that's the that's the problem we've, we've always faced here in New Zealand. We're in the middle of nowhere, really, if you look at the map. In fact, people don't even know where New Zealand is, but you know, don't you, Matt? It's somewhere near uh, Australia. Yeah, that's good enough for me. Roughly. It is, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the thing, because of where we are, we have this l- physically limited bandwidth. You know, if we want more bandwidth, we need to lay another undersea cable. 
So that's actually one of that's it's always been a problem here in New Zealand with bandwidth. Our, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's but you know, on on the continents, you know, in, in the states and in in Europe, uh, this this kind of thing, uh, the bandwidth, I think, is is really not an issue. But uh, yeah. I, I, th- I think that's why they were worried here, simply because we're at the end, as I say, of a very long and narrow pipe. Mm. Yeah, but I yeah, but what I thought was most interesting about that was the fact that they they said that the the reason that they were having issues with their bandwidth previously was badly configured browsers. It wasn't Chrome, was it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> so yeah, it'd be nice to know a little more of the the details about this and see how it goes with the twenty one hundred staff who will be moving over to it and the security of their the stuff once it gets into the cloud. That's an interesting question for you, Matt. What does your nonprofit think about its information being out there? You know, we're just not worried about it. It's not never been a concern. I mean, you know, I, I think Gmail hosts so much information already, and there's never been a case of it being hacked that I know of or that we know of. It's just we're not. It's not even a concern at all. So, mm. you know, as, as with anything, you always lose. You always there's always a chance, right? I mean, anything with the web, there's always a chance they can crack the code. And of course, it's more sensitive with the government because they have other people's information. So yeah, exactly. uh, you could just be minding your own business and something gets out of hand and, you know, it's, they have to be cognizant of that. It sounds like they are. But yeah, we it hasn't come up. I mean, it's just the way we do it. And I, you know, it's the same way as logging into Gmail with all the pros and cons. You know, in fact, I just got a letter from the government here that said, oh, by the way, you know, we had your information on a laptop and somebody stole it, so you might get screwed. I was like, oh, <laughs> thanks. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, it's just one of those things. You can't control a lot of it. And I, I didn't, we don't feel a difference between this and Exchange. If anything, this is a lot easier to use in Exchange. You don't have to have a dedicated, like, guy because everyone, you know, Exchange can be a real pain. And this, this has not been. All righty. Well, look, hey, Matt, thank you very much for joining us. It was, our, it was a real pleasure to have you on the show. It's been a lot of fun, guys. It's great to hear a, uh, the Southern perspective on things. And uh, I'd, I'd love to, I, again, welcome you to join me on The French Rev. Uh, check it out. Let me know what's going on, thefrenchrev.com or The French Rev on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, it's been a blast. And if you guys ever need anything, uh, any favors stateside, just let me know. Oh, we'll keep that in mind. Thank you very much. <laughs> you got it. And uh, look, I tell you, you've actually helped us out as well because it means that now our North American listeners can actually understand some of what was said in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna transcribe this and you know make sure it's very clear and you know uh, sound it out and you know provide translations where needed. So, well, guess what? I'm gonna Twitter this. Oh, <laughs> 140 characters at a time. <laughs> Alrighty, Brett, thank you very much for hosting the show with me once again. Always fun, Ed. And that wraps up episode 27 of The Boys of Tech. Do join us again next week for episode 28. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.